The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. It is that time. It's 633. It's Wednesday this time, though. And welcome to midweek edition of the Employment Law Show. John Scholes and Lior Samfiru taking the reins, of course. This is the uh, half hour of the evening where you get some answers about your employment situation, your workplace woes. If you have them, bring them on. Maybe you are the boss or maybe you just got uh, a severance question, something you've always wanted about, maybe watching our TV show. Beyond that, reaching Lior and his team Always do so. Don't hesitate. A phone call costs you nothing to get some information. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that website, it's a beauty built just for you. That is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So much to get through on the show in the next half hour. Legal mistakes that your employer is probably making all the time. And what you can do about it. How about that? But we always start off with the case of the day, pal. What do you got cooking? Hey, John. Great to be here, of course. Employment law is the topic. Lots of questions, hopefully, to be answered today. Uh, Wednesdays are always a busy time for me because not just do I do this show, but I also host a live stream earlier in the day where I take even more questions. So feel free to join me on that every Wednesday. But right now, let's make sure that you have the answers to the questions that are bothering you. Maybe you're just uh, trying to figure out what to do tomorrow because today wasn't a very good day. Well, Let's make sure that you know what to do tomorrow, what to say to your boss if they gave you an ultimatum, uh, how to respond when they told you you have to resign or else, what to do if you're expecting a meeting where a termination is going to happen. You get the idea. If it touches on you, your workplace rights, this is the time and place to ask the question, get answers, because the law is on your side. By the way, I got an email last night from a gentleman who I guess listens to my show. He's an employer, and he was... Uh, had not very kind things to say to me because <laughs> I, I'm doing all these bad things for employers. Keep in mind that I don't decide what the laws are. I just tell people right. what the laws are. So you're not going to get upset at me. That makes no more sense than getting upset at your doctor because your doctor told you you were sick. Uh, how dare you say stuff like that? That's right. So it's ridiculous. It's silly. This is the time when you f- find out what the loss is. Not what I say. Now what John Skoll says, what the law says, so call us right now, make sure you get answers. But let me tell you about a case that came across my desk earlier today, John. I spoke with a gentleman who, uh, pursuant to his employment agreement, was supposed to work about 40 hours a week. He signed that agreement about four years ago, except he always, and certainly very recently, worked a lot of overtime. In fact, he was telling me that in a given week, he averaged about, uh, he averaged about 54 to 55 hours. He got paid overtime, no issues, everything was fine. Except he was recently let go because of a major restructuring at the company. And the company calculated a severance based on the 40 hours that he was supposed to work. The 40 hours that he had in his employment agreement. That's that's what they used to calculate a severance. That didn't sit right with him. So he called me and he wanted to know, can they really calculate based on 40 hours when I'm working 54 hours? Well, he is absolutely right 
to be concerned about that because it's illegal. When a company pays severance, they have to calculate it based on what you would have expected to earn if you hadn't been let go. Because this gentleman had worked 54 hours a week pretty regularly, he would have expected for that to continue. So that severance has to include that overtime hours. When it comes to your severance, all components of your compensation have to be included. So we've talked about salary, we talk about bonus, we talk about benefits, but that includes overtime. Mm -hmm. If you regularly work overtime, that can add up very quickly and that has to be part of your severance package. For him, uh, over about a six-month severance period, we're talking about thousands of dollars. So I'm going to make sure he gets that. It's not going to be a problem. But a reminder there for everyone, it's not just your base salary. It's all components of your compensation that have to be included in your severance, including your overtime. I think it's it's also a good idea if you're working that much regular overtime on a regular basis, Leor. It's just, you know, when you go home at night just after dinner, take a few minutes on the couch with your coffee and just jot it down, have a spreadsheet or whatever. Just keep track of all that overtime so there's absolutely no discrepancy or argument going forward if you've got it all logged, right? Absolutely. Now, the company has the obligation to do that, but your to your point, you should do that because sometimes the company's not going to do a good job yeah. of that. So you want to have your own record of that. Uh, and that will help you whether you're owed overtime or certainly it's going to help you if you're owed severance. Again, 416-870-6400 to join the show. Come on in, water's warm. Uh, Leon, you're first up. How are you? Fantastic. How about yourself? Loving life, pal. What's uh, What can we do for you? Uh, thank you so much for your time. Always listen to uh, to this show. And appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. Sonsiro, for giving us some time. Uh, I appreciate your time. I'll get straight to the point. Uh, my wife has been working at a company for about a year. She's a pharmacist not part of a union, and everything has been great one year, and there's been talks about a move to another location, which is further away, so moving from, consider, Vaughn to Mississauga, so, you know, quite further away when we live in a kind of, you know, a little bit more north, um, and there's been a lot of talks, but nothing has been very clear, and they basically said, whenever the time comes, and if the time comes, we will, um, we'll, we'll give you the legal heads up that the company must give you. Now, obviously, making that big of a change for us as a family is difficult. We will need another car, you know, more expenses. My question is, what are the legal, you know, aspects of both sides? What does the company have to do? And there's mm-hmm. nothing written in the employment agreement. And what do we need to know? Uh, what does she need to know as an employer of the company? What are her rights? So you're saying that because of this move, you're going to have to obviously make some arrangements family-wise and buy another car. And also, how how much longer will it take your wife to get to the new work location versus how long she takes right now? It, so n- never mind just making adjustments. I mean, just with everything that's happening, you know, life is tough, things are expensive. She may ask because the job can be done remotely, and that's something that she's been pushing to, but they've been very adamant to say no at the meantime. But commute-wise, it'll probably close to double the commute. Um, yeah. and she doesn't... We don't have a second car at the time. So, so yeah, it is a significant change. So one of the options that she may have, if and when this change happens, is to consider it to be a constructive dismissal. So there's no way, of course, to tell them that they're not allowed to move and there's no way to, f- to force them to have a work uh, remotely. But mm-hmm. when the move happens, she may have the ability to say, because now this is such a big deal for me, doubles my commute time, I have to buy another car, I have to make other family arrangements, that's not what I signed up for, that could be a constructive dismissal. Now, the best way to do that, if they give advance notice of the change, is to simply say to the company, company, I'm very concerned about this move, I'm not sure I could do it, but I am going to give it a try, 
once the move happens, and I'm going to let you know at that point uh, how it is. And yeah. then if the move happens, let's have her try it for a week or two, see how things go. If you still feel it's a big deal, she'll still be able to say constructive dismissal. If it turns out she's okay with it, then maybe you don't need to. But you want to do that because otherwise, if they give advance notice, she may not be owed severance. The way to get around the advance notice is to say, I may stay, I may not stay. I, I'm only going to be able to decide that uh, once I try it for a little while. So that's what she needs to do. And when the time comes she, to pursue a constructive dismissal, if she decides to go that route, she needs to give me a call. Roger that. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for your uh, your time, Leon. That's an interesting one too, because never mind the uh, commute time. I mean, you know, another car. You add up everything that goes along with that. That's a big nut to crack, man. That that's that might be you know the straw that broke the camel's back in that case, right? That's a big expense, man. Well, sure. You, you sign up for a job, right? Where yeah. oh, good. I don't need to buy a car. It takes me this amount to get to work. That's the deal. That's why I I, I went there. So now all of a sudden, it's a very different situation. I have to buy another car and more car insurance, and I have to make. Uh, other arrangements for my kids because I won't be in time to pick them up and I have to double my commute each way. It becomes a big deal, a significant change to the term of employment. And because of that, it could easily be a constructive dismissal. Let's get into that first and only break uh, this evening and give you some time to grab a phone like Leon did. Spread the knowledge. Appreciate it, pal. We continue the midweek, the Wednesday edition of the Employment Law Show right here. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. Just giving yourself more knowledge about uh, your employment laws, workplace rights, so uh, so feel free to join us. Legal mistakes your employers probably making all the time. And what you can do about it. Number one, this one's a big one right off the top, Or You put down here, fire or discipline employees for missing work because of a medical reason. So we're talking uh, about mistakes, things that your employer is doing illegally. And by the way, they may not be doing that necessarily because they're bad. That's why they're, these are mistakes, things that your employer yeah. may think they're allowed to do. They may be doing it uh, in good faith, but it's still illegal. And you need to know about that. You need to know how to respond and certainly this is one that over the past few days, for some reason, I've gotten quite a few calls about. And that is I, I was disciplined because I, I took too many sick days. I was sick. And and employer says, if I'm going to be missing work again, they may let me go or they may suspend me. So uh, can they do that? Well, an employer may somehow think that that's legal. Guess what? It's illegal, but you don't need to be a lawyer to understand that. You just need to have some logic and common sense. So if an employee is sick and misses work because they're sick, what is disciplining them going to accomplish? It's going to make them not sick. The virus is going to say, well, we would, we were going to infect you, but we know you would lose your job. So you know what? We're just going to go some, to somewhere else. It's not going to happen, right? So because of that, it's ridiculous, the idea that you're going to be disciplined or let go, suspended, whatever it is, because you are sick. An employer can't do that. But in some situations, it can be more than just wrong. It could actually be a human rights violation. If you're struggling with a serious medical condition because of that, you're missing work, and now your employer is threatening your job because of that, that could be discrimination based on disability. Illegal. Can't do that. So an employer, I understand, of course, the that it creates a disturbance in the workplace when someone misses work. But if it's legitimate, if it's a medical condition, 
then there's nothing you can do about it. You have to manage and you cannot discipline someone and tell them you're forbidden from being sick. It doesn't work that way. So uh, an employer that does that can actually be in uh, some hot legal trouble. Another one here. The next one's actually, uh, again, legal problems that your employer could be making. This one could be just as bad for them, if not worse than for you. And that is they don't take the time to sit back and figure out how much severance they actually owe you. So, John, literally, as uh, we were doing uh, on our uh, break just a moment ago, I got an email. I was just checking my email during the break. And a lady said that she's been working with her employer for 26 years uh, and was just offered 13 weeks of severance. 13 weeks, that's three months. She's owed probably 24 months. Now, I don't know this employer. I just got this email. But it may well be that an employer that just didn't inform and educate themselves, didn't do their homework, and thought, well, you know, uh, we're we're being nice by offering her 13 weeks. That's three months. That's not bad. Ridiculous. Wrong. Employers do this all the time. They don't educate themselves. They don't inform themselves. They don't actually find out the full amount of severance. Maybe they do a quick Google search. They get uh, 20% of the information and they think that's all that, it, that there is. No. Remember, when it comes to your severance, you have significant entitlements. And those entitlements... Are, are calculated in months, and it could be as much as two years of pay. The, and the result of employers not informing themselves is that the vast majority of people, over 90% of people, when they're let go, are offered bad severance, severance, terrible severance, just like this lady I just told you about. So chances are, if you lost your job, your employer, whether deliberately or by mistake, has not offered you proper severance. You're owed a lot more. That's why you can't sign and you have to give me a call. Another thing that employers sometimes do, Lior, is they, uh, you know, they don't properly investigate or and or resolve workplace harassment issues, even now in uh, you know 2024. Yeah, and some employers do that because they're not good employers. Other employers just don't realize they have that obligation. Maybe it's an old mindset of you know you guys deal with this. Let uh, you know boys will be boys, etc. I've heard that many times from employers that just don't understand that it's their obligation. Well, let's be very clear. An employer has the legal obligation. I would say moral obligation too, but let's talk about the legal obligation to ensure that the workplace is not uh, poisoned, that the workplace is safe for people, not just safe from any hazards, but also safe that they're not being mistreated, they're not being bullied, they're not being harassed. And if an employer becomes aware of harassment, they have to investigate, they have to rectify the situation. That's not a nice to have, it's a must have. And an employer that doesn't do that, that could end up resulting in a constructive dismissal. It could be a human rights violation. It could be a violation of several statutes as well. So no, yeah. not legal. Uh, and an employer, take it seriously. Investigate. Deal with it in good faith. And if you find harassment, eradicate it. And again, we're doing this segment to benefit employers just as much uh, this evening. Something else you might be doing is not paying overtime when they should that's right. And uh, oftentimes I see that in situations, in one or two situations, either an employer says, well, someone is on a salary, mm-hmm. so we don't have to pay them overtime. So in that scenario, that's wrong. Even if you're on a salary, you get overtime if you work more than 44 hours a week. So your overtime is really only good for up to 44, uh, sorry, your, your salary is only good for 44 hours. Anything above that is time and a half. Employers often get that wrong. The other thing employers get wrong is they say, well, we didn't ask you to work overtime. You did that on your own, so we're not going to pay you overtime. Again, wrong. Even if the employee is not asked to work overtime, but they do, and 
for legitimate reasons. They had to get the work done. They they weren't just you know sitting there doing nothing. That employer has to pay overtime, time and a half over 44 hours a week. So I see this all the time, mistakes that employer make. Well, now hopefully you know better. I want to go back up the list a little bit. And this this one still, we still got to mention this one, that put employees on a temporary layoff. Oh, yeah. This is a huge mistake that employers yeah. make. And usually I find when employers put employees on temporary layoff, it's because they actually believe that that's legal. They believe they can do that without repercussions. Usually it's not, they're not doing that because they're trying to get away with something. Sometimes that's the case, but usually they maybe go on the Ministry of Labor's website and they get, uh, again, five or 10 or 20% of the information and they think that's legal. Well, let's be very, very clear. For most employers and employees, it's not legal. An employer does not have the right to put an employee on a temporary layoff. If the employer does that, that employee can consider themselves as being terminated. Of course, we refer to this as constructive dismissal. So just like your employer couldn't reduce your pay by 50%, well, they can't put you on a temporary layoff and reduce your pay by 100%, right? That's what a temporary layoff is. So uh, oftentimes I see employers get very surprised when they put someone on a temporary layoff, they thought they could, and then someone like me contacts them and says, "Uh uh-uh, you've terminated this employee, now you have to pay them severance. It starts as an employer by informing yourself of your obligations. You don't do that by going on Google, okay? There's too much at stake. And of course, same thing for an employee. If you're uh, put on a temporary layoff, you can accept it, but you can also consider that to be a constructive dismissal. Another thing uh, that an employer may be doing illegally, again, they don't realize it sometimes that, you know, they don't try hard enough when it comes to accommodation for an employee's medical limitations. They don't rise to the occasion, as we say, right? Absolutely. And and I've I've had employer clients over the years tell me, well, you know, if I uh, accommodate this person, it's going to cause me some headaches at the workplace. I may have other employees that are unhappy, uh, so I don't want to do it. And they're not do, they're not saying that because they're bad. They, they, they're going to actually have some inconveniences, inconveniences by accommodating the employee, except that's not the test. The test is not uh, only accommodate if it's easy. You have to accommodate even if it's hard. We call this accommodation to a point of undue hardship. So if the employee needs modified duties or modified hours or the ability to work remotely and there's legitimate medical reasons and it's backed up by a doctor's note, the employer has to do everything in its power to accommodate, to make that happen. If they don't, if they don't try hard enough, that's a human rights violation. That's a very big deal. Do you want to avoid that as an employer? And of course, for the employee, get that doctor's note. If that doctor's note says you need accommodation and they're specific as to what that is, your employer has to do pretty much everything they can to make it happen. If they don't, you call me and you call me right away. And this one kind of flows in concert with that one. That is, they demand that private medical information from employees with that medical condition. What's wrong with you? I need to see your medical file type of thing, right? Yeah. So you come in with the doctor's note then saying, I need accommodation. Well, 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 not so fast. We want your full medical file. We want to, uh, your doctor tell us exactly what your medical condition is. We want to see what medication you're taking. We want everything. And then we'll accommodate you if we're satisfied. Uh, no, not at all. Not even close. Your employer does not have the right to get the details of your medical condition. That's a private thing, and it's also irrelevant. Because does it really matter if you're suffering from uh, depression and anxiety or if you're suffering from a bad back? No. 
what matters is whether you're able to work uh, and whether you need accommodation, not what the condition is. So your employer can demand information about your prognosis. Uh, can you work? Can you not? How long are you expected to be off work? How long will you need accommodation? Legitimate information and legitimate questions they can ask your doctor. They're not allowed to ask questions about your diagnosis. What is the condition? What is the treatment, uh, et cetera? That is offside. They can't demand that. You, you shouldn't give that information and you can't be punished for not giving that information. So remember, uh, you have right to your privacy, certainly, when it comes to your medical condition and medical information. And this one will never stop, and that is jumping the gun when terminating employment for cause. I want to get to that if we got time, but I want to get Rob on the air first here. Rob, what do you think, pal? Hey, how are you tonight? Good, sir. What's up? I'm a salaried employee, and uh, I work both Christmas and New Year's as part of my schedule. Um, and I'm being told now that I'm only entitled to one loo day each for those days. Um, but, you know, hourly employees were getting double time and a half for those days. I just wasn't sure how that all played out. No, so, so you'd be owed uh, statutory holiday pay for both of those days. And uh, if they won't pay that, you can uh, actually have uh, a complaint filed with the Ministry of Labor. They'll contact them, the Ministry of Labor will, and they will set them straight and then they'll pay it quickly. So, yeah, it would be for each one of those days, not just not just one of them. Appreciate that quick call, Ravi. I want to get to that last point, Lior, before we wrap. And the thing that an employer may be doing uh, illegally, jump that gun when terminating for cause. They all do it. Well, not all do it, but a lot do it, right? Not a day goes by, John, when I don't get yeah. that scenario where an employee supposedly did something so bad to be terminated for cause. And oftentimes the employers just don't understand that it's not enough to show that the employee did something wrong. It's a very high standard. Your employee may have done something wrong, but that does not give you the right to let them go for cause. You can still let them go with severance. The only time you can let an employee go for cause if they did something so bad that you can't employ them. They stole, they committed fraud, they uh, harassed someone. Beyond that, if you want someone gone, pay them their full severance, and that's what makes it legal. And we got it all in, in time. We'll uh, take our leave. Be back in here tomorrow again at 6.30. You can join us at that time and bring your phone calls on air and get more answers. But in the meantime, reaching out to Leo and the team, one 821 5900 That's the phone number. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. And always use that website first. Many answers can be found there even before you pick up a phone, and that would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Back here tomorrow at 6.30. We'll catch you again on the next edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your night. The preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment